And this is Paul. And this is Wayne. So, uh, Paul, you and I were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago on one of those other things we record, and uh, <laughs> it, it begged the question, you know, like, what what do we do if Paul were to disappear, if Paul were to suddenly not be available, if Paul were to have an untimely death, what would we do? If what I was would, Thanos would... snapped away? Yeah, like, you know, you could have just been dusted away, right? And it occurs to me. Adam Lambert. Like from Queen? Yeah. Well, you know, because, you know, he's subbing in for Freddie Mercury. I think Adam Lambert's probably the guy you get for every every substitute role now. <laughs> so funny books with Aaron and Amber. A- Adam? <laughs> Ambert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, funny books with Aaron and Adam Lambert. That's what uh, I'm thinking. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm sure he's game. I'm sure he's not busy. Uh, no, exactly. He's got time on his hands. He's got time. <laughs> I mean, you, you didn't want to go with the guy who replaced, uh, you know, the the lead singer of Journey. You want to go with the guy who Who's replaced? Guy? Was it Journey or was it Foreigner? <laughs> uh, you got me. You got yeah, me either way. I know. See, here we go. I, I went too far back. Too far back. But could I? Could, but I, you know, we could probably lure Tim back to the show if it was funny books with Aaron and uh, what? What is it? Uh, Steve Perry. Steve Perry, that's who I was referring to. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely could if it was uh, funny books with Aaron and Jason Momoa. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Or, or, or funny books with Aaron and Mark Ruffalo since he replaced Ed Norton. There you go. There you go. Right. Nice, nice link to today's topic. And by the way, y'all, just I, we're going to go ahead and set the table right now. We're going to talk about two things today. We're going to talk about Heroes in Crisis from DC Comics that came out this week. And we're going to talk about Avengers Endgame. And you should expect that for each of these two media properties, we are going to spoil the hell out of them. Yes, absolutely. We're going to reveal uh, many, many surprises, many, many things that have been kept secret. Hashtag spoil the endgame. Yeah. Uh, So, so if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, uh, please hit pause on this. Go see it. Go read it. Come back and listen to the show. But I don't want to hear any whining because Sardell demanded that we spoil the end game. Yeah, that guy. It's his fault, (laughs) really. He's like Thanos because we do whatever Sardell tells us to do. Because Sardell is inevitable. That's right. He is inevitable. Well, just like disappointment. And sometimes, sometimes you look forward to something and it disappoints you. Uh-huh. And, like Wayne. Uh, much like Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but more like <laughs> Wayne, write this day down. Because on April 28th, 2019, something disappointed me more than you. And it, <laughs> and it was Heroes in Crisis number eight. Oh, my God. You know, I'm not sure that our listeners understand, you know, uh, that Paul is really a pretty even-keeled kind of guy, that he doesn't get too upset about anything. So I knew that Heroes in Crisis had to be a steaming pile when Paul texted me his rage earlier in the week. Yeah, I don't get angry at things. Paul is like the... uh, Paul's like that little kid from the commercials where they're eating the cereal. Mikey likes everything. I do. Paulie likes everything. <laughs> you yeah, know, Space Man. Exactly. I try to find the positive in everything, right? And of course, I have criticisms, but I do try to find the positive in everything. Um, and, you know, even then, if something I don't like or something that I don't agree with happens, like Superman, you know, uh, the Brian Michael Bendis stuff on Superman, like ultimately, it's comics. Right. You know, in a couple of years, it'll go back. It'll change. Who cares? You know, a character will die and it's like, oh, OK, it'll change. You know, it'll go back. Heroes in Crisis number eight. Yes, it's comics. At some point, it'll be undone. Another writer will come in and undo it or say it didn't happen or say he was possessed by parallax. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, 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 the Heroes in Crisis series has been this whodunit of who has killed the heroes in Sanctuary. Um, you know, it's been a mystery. There's been hints. Could it be Booster? Could it be Harley? Could it be Wally even? And we find out in Heroes in Crisis number eight. Again, spoiler warnings on. 
that it was, in fact, Wally. And it was an accident um, that Wally accidentally killed everyone um, by being overwhelmed in emotion and being unable to control the speed force. Uh, and people came out to help him. And he, he just let loose, unfortunately, and, and killed everyone except a couple of couple of folks, Harley and, and Booster. And so what he proceeded to do was he had he took the next five days to cover up his his doings, um, frame Harley and Booster and make them think they did it in order to do some redemptive acts like bringing back Poison Ivy and, you know, um, admit to the murder or admit to the accident, I guess. But it still doesn't, for me, change the fact that, like, Wally West, yes, unintentional manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter or whatever, but covered it up and framed innocent people, right? And that's that's where that's where the book genuinely angered me because you know Jeff Johns wrote DC Rebirth number one, and it was this beautiful return of Wally West, who's who's been pretty much my Flash, um, mm-hmm. has been Wally West, and so you know he he brought him back. There was this wonderful story, and yes, it seems like they still have they haven't known what to do with him and his family arc, and his family's been wiped, and and you know he's he's struggled through it. But I didn't think this was going to be the end game um, of, yeah. of, of of his story, and it is because he, after all that, kills himself. Um, you know, and it's just like this. It, it, for me, it was. Um, this book was upsetting and insulting, and I know there's one left, and everyone's like, wait till Heroes in Crisis number nine. Perhaps we'll get more story that explains it a little bit more. But, and and, and I'm still going to pick it up in the hopes of that, but this book genuinely angered me. Yeah, it was the, I get the, uh, seeing everyone's confessions drove him crazy. I don't like that. I just, I kind of can get that a little bit but the whole he he covers it up and then kills himself thing wally doesn't kill himself wally is wally's my flash too you know he yeah that it would be devastating to him to have killed so many people on accident his go-to move would not be cover it up and frame someone else though and innocent heroes right booster gold he framed booster gold and made booster gold think he did it yeah that that's you know that's like that's one of the worst parts right he made these characters believe they murdered everyone and that's horrifying well and put and 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 potentially put two more murders out there because you know he he pitted harley and booster against each other you know Harley, who's, you know, crazy and, you know, Booster, who, you know, has his own issues, you know, because, you know, he was there at Sanctuary for treatment as well. So, you know, it it is despicable what Wally has done. It's not excusable by any stretch of the imagination. You you can't just say, oh, you were too stressed. You know, he he was raised better. He knows better. Yeah, the the losing control and killing people, that's something that he could have come back from. Yeah, but yeah, the accident, he absolutely could have recovered from that. But the, but the whole covering it up, I mean, even though the, the, the book is extremely narrative heavy, it never really explains why Wally was pushed to do that, why he decided yeah. to cover it up. Yeah, because and, he decides it very quickly. Oh, yeah, immediately. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I get you know, in a, in a moment of crisis, people don't necessarily act like themselves. But he took five days, and you know, it, Wally West is a hero. And yes, he. I, I I almost would have rather they went the Civil War route with it. He accidentally kills everyone in Sanctuary by letting go of his power, and you know, it's the repercussions of that. He instantly admits it. You know, it gets out that Sanctuary exists. Like I think that would have been a more interesting story than this fake who done it that results in 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 this really poor treatment of a, of a wonderful character. So there is a panel on uh, pay, at the bottom of page 17 of the digital comic um, where Wally travels five days in the future to grab future Wally and bring – kill future Wally and bring that body back, right? So he's only – so he sets the, the timer. I got five days, right? 
there is a woman standing next to him on that panel. And I can't figure out who that is. That's, is that Poison Ivy? That's Poison yeah. Ivy. And that's part of his five-day thing, that he, he tried to undo some of what he did by bringing Poison Ivy back. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. It, there's a lot of talk that she may be more like... Uh, Swamp Thing? More like Swamp Thing and be mm-hmm. like part of the green now. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I, I was just like, the, 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 the illustration on her is so weird. Yeah. Uh, well, and on top of that, he literally commits suicide and kills himself right in front of her eyes and you see her like scream in terror like right. what is going this book is just so out of left field and you know I, I think a lot of people compare this series to identity crisis in fact we did right i don't i don't think that's a fair comparison i don't think so either um because yeah. identity crisis the villains acted like the villains the heroes acted like the heroes and yes there was the mind wipe thing but it wasn't this feels more insulting um Maybe, you know, and I, I liked Identity Crisis, but I... I, I loved Identity Crisis. I, I get yeah, the com- I loved Identity Crisis. Yeah, I get the comparison I in that it's, you know, heroes dealing with emotional things, not necessarily just super heroics. But at the same time, this book, it, it, I, I've been giving it a chance and I haven't disliked the series. Um, you know, I haven't loved everything about it, but I, I this issue genuinely angered me. Um, yeah. Just, I haven't been a fan right. of the series because it was sold as examining the uh, the heroes as they struggle through, you know, the things they've been through and all of that. It hasn't been that. It's been this murder mystery. It hasn't been really, except for those uh, interviews flashes, that's the only part of it that's been examining any of the heroes' trauma. And that's not really done very well for most of them. Yeah, and so what are we, you know, my my curiosity is what's going to happen in issue nine? Um, are they, is any of this going to be undone? Is more going to happen that, 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 that continues to change things? Um, you know, I, I genuinely wonder how this series is going to wrap up. And that's why I'm picking up Heroes in Crisis number nine. Because I do want to know, is... is something going to happen to undo this? That's my hope, right? But I just, but then... Well, that also anger me because then this will fe- <laughs> because then it'll feel like they're copping out of something. Um, I don't yeah, know. I don't. I don't think anything will happen to undo it. I think it's going to deal with Lois watches the final tape, sees that it's Wally, shares it with them, and we see the aftermath of everyone, all the heroes finding out that it was Wally. Or is this entirely in Wally's head? Is this the entire? Is, is he entirely in the program? You know. It could be. He like a, could. He could be totally still in sanctuary. Yeah, like a total recall kind of yeah. ending. I don't know. Um, and I don't think it'll be that because we've seen uh, within Flash and within Batman that oh, fair. The characters are dead. Fair point. They've fair, referenced fair point. it in other books. So yep. nope, a good point. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. I was hoping. I was hoping, Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I you know, I'm picking up issue nine as well. I'm eight in. I want to see how it ends. But it is alarming to me that uh, as much as I love Tom King and uh, the artwork of Mitch Gerard's Gerard's uh, that I can dislike this book so much. You know, and, you know, whereas this time last year I was I was just extolling the virtues of Tom King and I loved everything he was touching. I'm not reading Batman right now. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he's had a, he's had a rough four months, I would say. Um, he really has. You know, in, and we're in April, so it's, 2019 has not been <laughs> off to a great start. Yeah, uh, it is not the year of Tom King yeah. thus far. And honestly, no. it's not the year for DC Comics. Uh, you know, the, the DC Comics, we you know we have loved the last couple of years of DC Comics. There there have been some changes we haven't agreed with, but right now none of us are reading really any of the Superman books except you know I'm reading that Leviathan Rising. I'm a couple issues behind. I'm- I'm still in on Superman in action, though I, I will say I bought the last three issues of action and have not actually read them. Yeah, same here, uh, same but, here. But, but I am current on Superman. Yeah, uh, there is nothing on DC that I'm enjoying as much as I'm enjoying Marvel Comics Presents and Fantastic Four. 
Fantastic Four is really good. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's it's an interesting time here in the funny books world because as you, anyone who's been listening for a while, we, we went for quite a while as, as a mostly DC podcast just by nature of that's what we were reading. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, Tears in Crisis upset me. I'm not loving Superman. I'm not loving Batman. Detective Comics is okay. And I, well, I'm, I'm waiting to see how this new Arkham Knight storyline plays out, but you know, in Doomsday Clock, I'd, be, I'd love to talk about that more often, but God. <laughs> it, it would have to come out, right? Yeah, it has to come out at some point. Yeah. Well, I think that we have uh, we pretty much, uh, you know, dug the hole for Heroes in Crisis. <laughs> I think it's time for us to hashtag spoil the endgame. Yes. I will... Uh, will say that uh, before we get into the end game conversation, uh, while I watched the Rise of Skywalker trailer several times uh, over the the uh, week that it was released, uh, when I went to go see Endgame was the first time I saw it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Same here. And I got, I got to tell you, it was beautiful. It was. <laughs> it was just yeah. beautiful on the big screen. It definitely had more of an impact on the big screen than it did watching the yeah. you know watching it on YouTube. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, even though I watched it on my uh, my um, uh, smart TV, I just it's just, there's something about you know the the big you know cinematic experience you know fill fill the eye screen and the the surround sound and whatnot. It was just it was you know really something to behold. Uh, I actually got a little emotional. I mean, in the uh, just watching that trailer, even though I've I've watched it you know probably a half dozen times. Uh, on my iPad and on my TV at home, uh, it, it it really got me. I mean, they they cut an excellent teaser on that one. They did, um, yeah. You know, and, and I, I was I saw it at Star Wars Celebration, which we talked about on our our other podcast. Um, and seeing it, actually, it's on our YouTube channel too. So youtube.com slash ideology of madness, um, because I saw it when they premiered it. And it was just like it, it. It was emotional, right? I mean, just yeah. just seeing it with with the fans and the music and the you know, it, there's a little bit of Leia's theme in it, um, and the fact that they they're saying you know it's the final film of the saga, and you know, knowing that, and you know, we're about to talk about Avengers Endgame being the end of a ten year saga. Well, the rise of Skywalker, yes, it's less films, but it's the end of a forty year saga, right? Yep. So speaking of. Uh emotional and all the there was a couple sitting next to me in the theater for uh endgame and the woman of this couple is just sobbing throughout multiple parts of the movie like loudly sobbing i heard crying throughout the theater you know at different moments but it really apparently hit her right from the first scene on (laughs) yeah I will tell you, you know, and we'll get into this a little bit more, uh, but I felt like such an idiot tearing up uh, towards the end of the movie. And you know, don't get me wrong, it's emotional and whatnot. I'm like, I am tearing up in a goddamn superhero movie. <laughs> I, mean, I just, I felt like such an idiot. And my wife is like elbowing me, like, knock that off. <laughs> yeah, there was so much crying in the theater, but yeah. none, none from me. I don't cry at movies. I, uh, I'm a big crybaby. Uh, I'll own it. I'm a big crybaby. <laughs> Clearly. But, yeah. <laughs> you be nice, Paul. Um, <laughs> the movie starts out with, you know, uh, the aftermath of uh, Infinity War. And I'll be honest with you. Infinity War is not my favorite Marvel movie. Um, I, I uh, was not particularly jazzed by it when I saw it in the theaters. I liked it more when I saw it at home. Um, but I, there are things about infinity war that I just didn't care for. Um, and I'll, and I'll say, uh, just, I'll, I'll own this right now. I thought they did a brilliant job with Endgame. Um, I, uh, I was really worried when the, the movie starts out and, and continues to live, you know, it starts out in a downer and lives in that space for a good long while. And I'm like, I really don't want to see this movie. But, you know, uh, I thought they handled it really well. I loved that the stakes of Infinity War, we get to live with as an audience for a while, that that we get to – it's not just, okay, how do we go fix this situation? I mean, our heroes live and dwell and marinate in this loss 
for a huge chunk of time in this movie. Um, and I thought it was was brilliantly done. Um, I, 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 I got to say, while, while I had this fear that, oh, God, is this just going to be melancholy all the way through? Uh, it was the appropriate amount of melancholy, and uh, I wish I'd. I wish that I had been able to have faith that uh, the Riso brothers were gonna were gonna you know do me right here because there was a there was a moment in the movie I'm like God dang it I'm gonna sit through three hours of this bullshit, <laughs> but you know, we, uh, but they didn't. They, they, it was just the the appropriate amount of time. We talk about that first scene, and uh, the first scene was Clint Barton and his family when the snap happens. Right. And, you know, you kind of you figured that's what was going to happen when he became Ronan in the the trailers and such. But they did that scene very well, Mm -hmm. giving just enough time to actually see him interacting with his family for it to have that impact on the people in the theater around me. I heard a lot of people bitching about Hawkeye in this movie. You know, like, why do we have Hawkeye in this movie? Why is Hawkeye important? Hawkeye's a waste of time. You wasted scream time on Hawkeye. And I, with the exception of the haircut, I really enjoyed Hawkeye in this movie. Yeah, I don't know uh, why people would complain about that. I thought he was a vital – he's he's one of the original Avengers. Right. Um, and I don't know why people would have any qualms about Hawkeye. I thought his character was well portrayed. He went – you know, he, he had the most – you Personal know, arc. Personal arc of the film, yeah. Yeah, I, I – uh, you know, we know from experience, right, that, you know, Hawkeye is a family man. We have seen that in earlier movies. And, and I think that's that's one of the brilliant things about Endgame is that so much of the the groundwork that's laid over the last 11 years in the MCU is actually paid off in this movie. Yeah. You know, I was impressed by just how many characters they had in it. I don't mean just the superheroes. Like everyone supporting cast showed up at one point or another. With the exception of Luis, we didn't get Luis from uh, Ant-Man. You know, I, I, which we, I got to say was surprising to me. Yeah, I, I really I, I, uh, I, one of our listeners, Neil Dalton, made the comment on Twitter uh, yesterday. It's like, you know, it's like because he and I were kind of goofing on each other about things that didn't happen in the movie. Like, hey, man, wasn't it great when Galactus showed up? And he's like, well, what about that ending where Luis narrates the, the the final battle and you never actually see any of the final battle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, they even brought out the kid from Iron Man 3, but they didn't uh-huh. bring out Luis. Yeah. I was like, huh, OK, that's surprising. Yeah, yeah no, I, I but, you know, small quibble. Right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a three hour and plus three hour plus movie. I'm pretty sure the movie. Is packed to the gills mm-hmm. with rewards to people who have watched eleven years worth of Marvel movies. Yeah. So, so you know, go ahead, Paul. No, no, you go first. No, I want you to go. Well, I was going to say, so you know, the 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 film starts off, you know, twenty one, twenty two, something like that. Days later, um, Captain Marvel has come, and and if you haven't seen Captain Marvel. You know, I saw Captain Marvel assuming that the post credit scene where she confronts the Avengers was a scene from this movie. I assumed incorrectly. We actually, t- the film starts actually after that. And she's been there. And, you know, they're, and so they, they, they save Tony Stark and Nebula from space. And uh, pretty much like a day later, they're like, let's go kill Thanos. We know where he is. Let's go do it. And uh, they, they do it. You know, they 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 try to undo the snap, but he's already destroyed the Infinity um, Stones. And, uh, you know, but but which in the process weakens him, which is why they're able to just take him down like a chump. Right. Yeah. It it nearly kills him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they 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 chop off his hand. They chop off his head. Thanos is dead. Movie's over. Um, Sad ending. But, you know. Can we spend just a moment before we, we move beyond this point? When uh-huh. Tony Stark returns to Earth, he is emaciated, right? He is – I mean he looks like a 90s era uh, you know, AIDS sufferer. I mean he is so gaunt. Yeah. You know, yeah, and to I, the point that they have to actually put him on IVs. and Yeah, and wheelchair, right? I mean he – I am assuming that was a uh, – a CGI effect that yeah. he didn't actually lose, you know, 85 pounds to, uh, to shoot that scene. It is amazing to me what they can do. I mean, I was looking at him going home. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Because, and I never had the sense that he was that skinny 
in space, right? You know, he never yeah. seemed that, that he he seemed worse off on Earth than he did in space. Yeah, I do think some of it is uh, is CG, and he did look for me. He he looks skinny in space too, and I've got to imagine that's CG. You know, like the like how they made Captain America skinny, right? That kind of right. thing. And, yeah. I thought it was really well done. Uh, it was really well done. But yeah, so they uh, they, they kill Thanos and you know. credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great talking to you guys. Yeah. No, uh, then we get the the time jump to five years later. Yeah. And there's this long beat where it says five, and then it waits, and it waits, and it waits, and then it says years, and you hear everyone in the audience go. <gasps> You know, like it's not five months, it's not five days, it's not five weeks, it's five years later that the heroes um, have had to process it. And, you know, uh, just putting this out there, some of them clearly stopped working out. Um, yeah. <laughs> some of them yeah. Some, yeah. Some, drink a little too much. Yeah. 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 Some of the, this is Thor stopped going to the gym, started drinking beer. Some of them, you know, some of them put a little bit of weight on. Some of them look a little rough around the edges in five years. Um, you know, Black Widow stopped cutting her hair. Uh, you know, all sorts of things have happened. The only Hulk one who did cleaned himself up. Though. Yeah, yeah. But Hulk, I gotta say, key takeaway or you know, key highlight from this film for me was that we have Smart Hulk, Professor Hulk, finally. Yes. And I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, Bruce I, Banner living his best life. Yes, and when he interacts with Valkyrie again, that scene just kind of made a whole beginning of the movie for me. No, absolutely. I, the 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 uh, one of the nice things about this movie, you know, is one of the things I enjoyed about you know uh, Bendis's Avengers run was just the, the characters talking, you know, the the interaction between the characters, not just the the fight scenes and the special effects, but I just enjoyed having all the characters together talking to one another. Um, there was it was a great there were great moments throughout the movie like that and seeing. Professor Hulk was great. You know, they when they make the decision, you know, Ant-Man come if you'll recall the end of Ant-Man and Wasp, Ant-Man gets lost in the quantum realm. And so he pops out uh in this movie and he's like, "Hey, you know, I think I got this figured out because, you know, we can go into the quantum realm and then come out whenever we want to to uh, you know, stop all this shit from having happened." And so they go to, to to Tony Stark Iron Man. Remember, this is five years later. So, you know, he and Pepper have apparently gotten married. They've had a little girl. Girl is just as sweet as Christmas, um, you know. And uh, Tony's like, yeah, you know, you can't do this time travel stuff because, you know, it's crazy. You can't make it work, yada, yada. It's a, it's, 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 it's a death mission. And uh, so when they're walking out, Captain America says, well, we're going to need a really big brain. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is where they do it. They're going to bring Reed Richards in. <laughs> and, and, and the rational part of my brain is, ah, they haven't owned the property long enough. There's no way they can have Reed Richards in this movie. And then, you know, the big brain is, you know, the Hulk. But for a moment there, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's happening. It's happening, guys. Because, <laughs> you know, Ben Grimm always called, you know, Reed Richards big brain. And uh, I just, uh, yeah, for a moment I, there was joy. <laughs> But I had to find my joy elsewhere in the movie. And that's okay. There was plenty of joy to be found. There was. Yeah. I love the kids taking pictures with Hulk. and Yeah, the selfies. Everything about Professor Hulk. It was just – he was funny. He was – it's it's what I've wanted to see on screen for a while. Well, so, you know, the Hulk and the Avengers – and you know, and and Tony Stark comes around because he has a a, a bit of inspiration and figures it out in an afternoon, um, the secret of time travel. But you know, he's he's that guy, and uh, you know, he he eventually comes around and and everyone teams up except Captain Marvel, who has gone back out into space to help every other planet. Um, but everyone else, I'll, I'll... and I gotta say, I was kind of glad about that. Me too. I was glad that this didn't wind up being a Brie Larson film. You know, not that I've got anything against Brie Larson, but I haven't spent all that. I haven't built that relationship with Captain Marvel yet. No. So it was nice that they had her in, in the beginning and then they bring her back at the end. I thought it was the appropriate amount of Captain Marvel okay. for this movie. Even though, which we'll get to here in a second when, or in a few minutes when we discuss the ending, the fact that Captain Marvel can fly through a spaceship and destroy it like she's a bullet 
but can't do the same to Thanos. I guess his skin is thicker than the skin of a than the hull of a spaceship. Hey, you know, <laughs> it just seems to me like we need to be building our spaceships out of Thanos. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> um, but or blast doors from Star Trek Discovery. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, the, they they team up. They they te- some of them in teams of three, teams of two, just various teams um, to go through time. And uh, they they travel to time heist. Time heist. And that's what I lo- that's what yeah. I loved about it. You know, the the, the Ant Man movies have both been heist movies, mm-hmm. and his recommendation is let's have a time heist. And I'm like, this is a perfect blend of these movies. Yeah. Uh, I, but, I smiled big when when he you know pitched that out there. Yeah, but uh, before he they they do before they hop into these pivotal moments from Marvel Cinematic History, um, we actually get a little bit of the rules of time travel as Avengers Endgame explains them, which is, you know, you, if killing your past self doesn't kill your future, doesn't erase your future self, um, you know, because that, because then the past becomes your future, but it doesn't ultimately change the present. So the, the, the goal here is to get well, it causes a divergent time stream, right? Exactly. And yeah, you know, which is, which is time travel as defined by Marvel two and one back in the eighties. Yeah. Yep. Well, and what I loved about that is it gave them the mission of you can't make major changes because if you do, you've created new timelines. Yeah. Right. So the goal they... is to not create new timelines that will come back to haunt you. Yeah, which they still well, inevitably do, which, you know, spoiler warnings on. Yeah. There's still a couple of divergent timelines that they create as a result of their efforts. I'm sorry, Aaron, you were going to say something? Well, I was just going to say, you know, this is all explained to us by the ancient one pl- played by uh, Tilda Swinton. Yes. And, Surprise you know, me. which I thought was a great cameo, by mm-hmm. the way. And, you know, she's explaining all of that to Bruce Banner. And, you know, on the one hand, you know, from my perspective, what do I care about, uh, you know, divergent timelines as long as the timeline that I'm in is the one that I want. But it really sunk home, you know, don't don't leave us stranded in a horrific timeline. And it really put a face on it it, to me. I was like, Oh, you know, I I really hadn't, I really hadn't thought about it in those terms that those people are real too. And I'm sure that makes me a sociopath, but (laughs) it really put, it really put a face on it. Like, Oh, we can't leave Tilda Swinton out there. Right. Even though our Tilda Swinton would be fine, their Tilda Swinton would be screwed. So you know you've got to you you got to make that uh, you you got to do your best to minimize those divergent timelines. Yeah, I enjoyed that bit a lot because they talked about it a lot, but that was like their confirmation. It's like everything is theory, but now here's somebody who actually wields a time stone who knows, right? Confirming their theory. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Tilda Swinton and the Ancient One pop up again. Surprising cameo for me. I didn't expect to see her. No, me um, neither. At, at during the Battle of New York, so uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, and Ant Man all jump back to to 2012 and the Battle of for New York and the first Avengers because there are three time stones in New York at that time. Uh, meanwhile, we get Rocket and Thor popping back in time to Thor the Dark World, which I thought was an interesting choice, but it is where the Infinity Stone was, right. even though it's like the worst rated Marvel movie. Um, you know, we, we get to see a cameo from Natalie Portman, which I assume is stock footage uh, from that yeah. movie. Uh, yeah. And uh, the other characters, Nebula, um, War Machine, Hawkeye, and Black Widow, go back in time to uh, the time of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, I expected the cameo, even if it would be stock footage of Natalie Portman. What I was surprised by was how much time they gave Thor's mother. Right. Yeah, Renee that... Russo, which was a welcome scene. It yeah, really I, was. That I was really love Renee Russo. I, I love Renee Russo, the actress. I loved her performance as Thor's mom, and I, you know, in the in the Thor films, mm-hmm. and I was surprised. Given, I mean, given how they spent no time in those emotional moments in Thor Ragnarok, that they finally allowed that in this movie. You know that they gave Thor that opportunity. To you know, have that 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 tender moment to mourn his mother, 
Um, I, I just I thought that was a brilliant scene. Hey, I but, really did. I thought that was great. And oh, by the way, eat a salad. <laughs> you know, so that actually <laughs> does uh, bring to mind. You did not care for Thor Ragnarok on initial I viewing. Hated that movie. Yeah, uh, and still I still hate. It. Oh, it still had it. Okay, uh, I think Wayne and I both enjoyed it. Yeah, um, it's one of my favorite Marvel movies. So Thor, so for better or worse. Marvel continues to give into Chris Hemsworth's demands to change Thor to keep it in- the role interesting for him. <laughs> and so Thor continues to change, you know, by being fat, drunk Thor, by being Big Lebowski Thor in this movie. Um, how did you feel about that? How did you feel about Thor's portrayal in this movie? Because he, he ultimately doesn't turn around his character until the final battle of the movie. I like Thor in this movie. Okay. Uh, because... Yeah, he's played for laughs a lot, but he's he is in his this place because of what he's lost. Um, and I didn't have a problem with that. You know, my big my big gripe with uh, Thor Ragnarok is that it was played all for laughs. And at no point does he mourn the fact that he's lost any everyone he's ever loved. Um, and we don't like I said, we don't get his. We, we do not give him a moment to mourn those people until this movie. You really don't even get to see – you get to see some of it in uh, Infinity War. And I think we talked about that uh, when we reviewed it, that you know, the, the stakes for Thor weren't fully realized until Infinity War, despite the fact that he had an entire movie in Thor Ragnarok. To uh, to do some of that stuff, but he you know he, they they carved out a piece for him in Infinity War, and that continued on in this movie. So I felt like that was honest. What I felt like wasn't honest was Thor Ragnarok. So I think I would have had more of an issue with the portrayal of Thor in this one if they hadn't given him that first scene with Thanos, the acting out of anger and slicing Thanos's head off was the. You know, okay, so now I've done that, and what did it mean? It didn't change anything, and so the uh, the more using Thor for laughs afterwards. At least he had that amazing scene in the beginning, and then, like you said, they bring it around at the end. I love seeing uh, Meek and Korg again. Yes. Yeah. No, I I dug that. I dug that. I you know I, I didn't have any issues with with Thor this time around. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious, um, but yeah. we do get. As part of the time travel, we do get, um, because no one knows how to get the, I guess it's the soul stone. Right. No one knows exactly how that happened because the only person who didn't, the only people who didn't know were dead. Um, Yeah, we know. We know. You know, yeah. So, you know, Hawkeye and Black Widow make their way to get the soul stone. And we know... How the how how one gets the soul stone? I, I got to say, I was disappointed that Captain America didn't go on that trip. I wanted the confrontation between Red Skull and Captain America. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Red Red Skull is the keeper of of that artifact, you know, the gatekeeper, if you yeah. will. And I really, I, I was like, oh yeah, here we go, it's gonna happen. And then he goes on the other mission. I'm like, huh, crap. I, I guess you can't have everything. Yeah, no, but that would have been a you. You make a fair point. Uh, that confrontation was a missed opportunity. And I guess, you know, you had the, instead you had Captain America go to New York, which works better because he confronted himself and, you know, go back in time to the seventies. And it gave him a chance to appreciate his own ass. Yeah. (laughs) America's ass. And also see Peggy Carter, you know, I usually hate the character fights himself, character fights as double, whatever. I thought they did this really well with Captain America. I thought that, uh, uh, you know, he knew how to defeat himself. In fact, where he's got himself in the chokehold, you know, and uh, uh, he, he says, Bucky's still alive. And it freaks out his his uh, past self. I mean, he knew how to pull that. Yeah. Well, and I thought, you know, the, the scene in the elevator, I, I was waiting for a repeat of Winter Soldier, but it wasn't. Same here. You know, where Same he, here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that was a really, that entire sequence, you know, because he says, you know, hail Hydra. And then he walks across the bridge and he's like, you got to be shitting me. Yeah, and then the young Captain America says, "You know, I could do this all day." And our Captain America is like, "I know, I know." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. it is a great scene. That was one of the areas where we end up getting a divergence too, because uh, not his mission so much, but Tony and Ant Man's mission mm-hmm. leads to Loki getting the cosmic, well, getting the Tesseract, right, and getting away. 
Yeah. Which I'm assuming we'll see as part of the Loki TV series that's coming to Disney Plus. Like, I'm assuming that's how they they continue to have that series. Yep. And that was my thing is like, it it got to the end of the movie. I realized they never went back and closed that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think they didn't close it on purpose. I think they did that as a setup for how they're bringing him back. Well, and let's be honest. You know, we're like I said, we're going to spoil everything. This entire movie is a divergent timeline because they kill past Thanos right before he during the time of Guardians of the Galaxy one. So the the entire movie creates a divergent story, uh, you know, timeline. But, you know, it it's science or it's science fiction. Uh, It's it's not science fiction. It's fantasy. So, you know, you don't think if you think too much about it, it's just going to ruin it. Um, That's right. But we do get uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye, um, you know, battling each other. To for to to sacrifice themselves for the soul stone, so the other one can take the soul stone, and eventually, um, which again a surprise for me, given that they announced that she's having a movie, um, was that Black Widow was the one who died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I'm wondering if the movie's a prequel. Or, it's got to be. It's yeah, got to be. be. Yeah. Or, or a new Black Widow. Yeah. Or it was all bullshit to to throw you off the scent. And there is no yeah. blood. I mean, it's not like it's filming. So, you know, it could have just... It, it, they haven't announced any casting. I don't know if they've announced any directors. So it could just be, you know, yeah. just out there to throw you off the scent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, you know, she does sacrifice herself. Hawkeye, um, you know, walks away with the Soul Stone. Uh, but meanwhile, in this same time period, Thanos and Nebula... Nebula, you know, Nebula's in that timeline, and because the two Nebulas are attached to the same Wi-Fi, um, past Nebula can see what what current Nebula can see, and so Thanos sees this, understands what has happened, and um, in current Nebula, good Nebula is replaced with past bad Nebula, and who who comes back in time with the Avengers after all this, uh, after all the Infinity Stones have been gathered up. Yeah, one of the another one of those moments that just really stood out for me in the movie was uh, going back to the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, and you see Star Lord doing his singing and dancing on the way there, but yeah. then you see it from their perspective where he's got the headphones on and you just see silence and him singing. Yeah, and you've got War Machine going, so he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's. <laughs> He seems so cool and awesome when you're watching it from his perspective, but then you watch it from War Machine, and it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Which I got to say, you know, uh, for me, one of the highlights of this film, and she has not been a highlight for previous films, was Nebula. Yeah, no, she really did. She she was a strong performer in this this movie. I, I would say more so than even Gamora, we've seen Nebula, who is... You know, Gamora already started with emotion and, you know, a a bad relationship with Thanos. Nebula has come the most from what we've seen her originally. And she's still not, like, fun and jovial because she's mostly machine. Um, Right. But you see that struggle in her character. And I I have enjoyed seeing that progression of her character. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's been really cool. I've, I've enjoyed that. Yeah. So, you know, they get the they get the stones, they put together the the new glove, the new infinity gauntlet. Thor, you know, or not Thor. Um Hulk, you know, his his arm fries because he does the snap for the group, bringing back everyone to this point in time. So people are still are coming back to this point in time, probably all homeless because the mor- the mortgages <laughs> have been uh, foreclosed. Um, you know, Peter Parker comes back, but you know, he's, he's got a, he's all his friends are probably five years ahead of him in school. That's right. Yeah. He's five years behind everybody. (laughs) Well, based on what we, based on what we've seen of the, uh, far from home, I'm guessing almost everyone that uh, (laughs) that's a supporting cast also got snapped away. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Uh, You know, what, what, what they're, what they haven't shown you yet in the Marvel cinematic universe is all those uh, married couples who got split up uh, by the snap, you know, they, they've moved on. Right. And so you come home and you know, your, your wife or your husband is uh, married to somebody else, you know, Uh, (laughs) uh, you know, you don't have a job anymore. Somebody's canceled all of your subscriptions, you know, uh, you know, they've changed your Netflix password. I mean, this, it's pretty, pretty dire stakes here. 
That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's something I actually was really surprised about. I I entirely expected everything to be rolled back to right, yeah. five years ago. Yeah. And throughout the movie, they do not do that. They, well, they're going I mean, to live with this five years. I hope they don't just ignore it. And it's because Tony drew the line in the sand right because yeah. he's got a little girl now and he's you know he's married to pepper and he's like i i really like what i got so i need to keep this but get those other people back you know the only way you do that is by by keeping the present time and i really again it's one of those things that i think uh the the the, the film's uh creators did a marvelous job of putting a face on it because you know you kind of fall in love with that little girl you know with, with tony's little girl and you're like, well, you know, we don't want her to go away. So, you know, is there a way we can have both? And, you know, Tony, Tony only drives this forward by getting everyone to commit. We keep what we got and we get the rest back. Well, and they also kind of say in the time travel rules of this, it's not like going back in time would have changed anything anyway. It would have just created a divergent storyline, a divergent timeline, and their timeline would remain the same. Right. Um, so... Yeah, so, you know, Thanos comes forward in time, uh, which I don't exactly know how that worked. I guess Nebula just reprogrammed the time machine to allow him to come forward in time. After the snap has brought everyone back, and he just lays waste upon the Avengers headquarters, which was a pretty awesome sequence. Um, yeah. And, you know, then, then we get the, you know, and at this point, we're over two hours into the film. Mm-hmm probably at least 215 220 and then we get the big battle sequence we see that you know the the big three um you know thor hulk and cap take on thanos before the big battle with all of thanos's forces and all the the regrouped avengers but before that we see captain america yielding thor's hammer mjolnir yeah that is such an amazing visual of shield in one hand, hammer in the other, striking a stance ready to fight. Yeah, very much like that that cover of JLA versus Avengers yep. where Superman's got uh, Thor's hammer and shield uh, and cap shield. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. In fact, when he calls uh, Mjolnir to his hand, mm-hmm. uh, I I it was an inaudible for me. I whooped in the theater. Yeah. I gotta say that <laughs> uh, was one of the key. That was probably one of my favorite moments of the movie was, was, well, and I love how they do it too. You see the hammer has fallen and it's on the ground and then you just see it lifting up. And I mean, I'm sure we all figured out exactly what was going to happen at that point, but that it was done like off. You don't see who's lifting it at first and you see the hammer flying and hitting and then coming back. Well, and and the scene where where Cap is marching across the field, you know, and he's he's got the his shield up and he's twirling the hammer behind him is crazy badass. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, this is so rock and roll. (laughs) You know, it was it was so freaking cool. And of course, we didn't mention that when Thor was in the past. He called he called Mjolnir to him, right? So he's you know got he's got his two hammers. He's got Stormbreaker and he's got uh, Mjolnir. And on the battlefield, you know, in present day, that allows Cap to call Mjolnir to him because you know as 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 was hinted in um, Avengers Ultron, Ultron. What was that one called? Age Ultron. of Ultron. Age, Age of Ultron. Ultron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, he was able to move the hammer a little bit, which, of course, you know, gave Thor uh, great pause. So, again, another payoff yep. from from, uh, you know, Marvel's past. And I, I love Thor's reaction to it. Yeah. Thor is it. <laughs> yeah. He isn't upset or anything. He's just I knew it. Yeah. And then it gave us another great uh, just one liner later on in the movie where. Cap and Thor are next to each other, and Cap has Stormbreaker, and Thor has Mjolnir, and Thor's like, "No, no, give me that one. You get the small one." Yeah, yeah. No, I thought I thought I thought those were great moments. And again, you know, they really pay off things that were that were you know laid out in prior movies. Uh, 
there is the the moment where all of a sudden everybody shows up on the battlefield. Every Marvel hero, you know, every you know Thanos bad guy. I mean, the the yeah. the screen is just full. And I don't know, you know, we knew that everyone was back, right? We got the we got the five million back, but in that moment, because of how Thanos attacks Avengers headquarters, you don't have any time to think about. Okay, all of our heroes are back on the field, no. right? And so you spend this time with Thanos just beating the snot out of the Avengers and, you know, saying that, you know, in all this time and all the wars and all the all the all those that I have killed, it was never personal. I am going to enjoy burning your planet. And that's when all these other heroes come. And it's kind of a surprise because the movie gave you no time to think about, well, what about Black Panther? And what about yep. this guy? And what about Spider-Man? And what about that guy? You know, oh, and it's like, I, oh, yeah, they're all back. I love how they introduce them to yet another callback on your left. Yeah. Yeah. And that was Doctor Strange's big moment in the movie, too. Yes, absolutely. Strange is the one that has pulled them all together. You know, he has opened all the portals, bring everyone from Wakanda, everyone from Thanos' planet, from all over that have now come back, bringing the armies together. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, you've got all these guys on the field, and all of a sudden, something we've never seen before, well, I, I guess we did see it in Iron Man 3, but all of a sudden, you know, you've got a woman in Iron Man armor, right? And for, it's just just a glimpse of her, and I'm like, I, I, it took me. I I was like, I'm not sure if that was Pepper or not. Is that somebody else in the in in the suit? And of course, you see it later on that it is Pepper, but <laughs> it, it happens so fast. The movie gives you no time to dwell to dwell. It's off to the next thing. Yeah, and it, you and know? you know we we saw it in briefly at the end of Iron Man three, right? But uh, you know, definitely a, a surprising. You know, in this film, and you know, then the... I love the look of the rescue armor. Yeah, the yeah. rescue armor was hot. So I mean, it, it's it's an awesome, awesome battle sequence. Lots of individual moments. We see the women of the Marvel universe team up. We see Captain Marvel fly in and destroy Thanos's spaceship. I I, I will I, I will say that the scene where all the women show up to escort the gauntlet. Uh, was a little a little on the nose. Yes, I was about yeah. to say that too. That's one of my one of my few downsides is that one was too okay, we get the message you're sending. Yeah. But it was two women row Avengers. You know, yeah. the Utero Avengers, I just <laughs> you know these women have much. never met each other. They're all amazing characters, but they don't know each other. Right. Why are only the women able to show up? And more importantly, she doesn't need any of them. Yeah. And it's yeah. just a little too meta. I mean, it's just that's what it was. It was just a little too meta about, you know, what's going on in our current pop culture. If there had been a story reason for it, I absolutely would have would have enjoyed that. But there is no reason why there shouldn't have been a dude in that group. You know, it just it just seemed weird to me. Yeah, it was a political message. But yeah, as, I did. Yeah. I love seeing Valkyrie's uh, horse. Yeah, no, the, the the seeing the the winged horse, the Pegasus, if you will, was uh, was perfect. I really enjoyed that, and I need to see more of that. I do not care for this interpretation of Valkyrie, but I did enjoy that scene. Yeah, so I really do like her as her own separate character. I mean, I like the comics Valkyrie, but I I like what they did with her. I like her interactions with Hulk, and I want to see a, a basically an Asgardian movie without Thor. Yeah, I want to see Thor in. Guardians of the Galaxy, and I want to see Asgard on Earth with Valkyrie, and I want to see Sith come back, and you know, just I want to see more of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, at the end of the battle, Tony Stark has to sacrifice himself to to snap, to do the snap, and and un, and and take out Thanos and his forces. I did love how. Uh... You know, Tony steals the the gemstones off the off of Thanos's gauntlet. You know, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that was, was well done. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little, little sleight of hand kind of thing going on. And which just... I knew he did. I knew he did a sleight of hand. I didn't realize he took all of them. Yeah. And once he took all of them, I'm like, oh, this is where Iron Man dies. <laughs> well, you, you kind of go in. You you know a little bit about 
about the movie because you know that to- that uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. has been very clear that he doesn't want to continue with these movies. Same yeah. with Chris Evans. So yeah, you, but you, you know, kind of, kind of assume that-, that maybe he just go off, right? He's got a family now. Right. He's done his yeah. thing. Maybe he's done. Right. But no, yeah, he, I expected he does. Cap to fall, and I once we saw the family, I kind of expected uh, Iron Man to just retire with the family. Right. So you know the uh, you know. You're right. Tony does the snap. And, you know, we established a long time ago uh, in these films that, you know, even one gen- even one of the Infinity Stones is too much for a mortal to wield. And, uh, you know, even even so, you know, Thanos had to have the gauntlet. Right. He had to yeah. have this specially crafted gauntlet to be able to wield them. Um, and, you know, it, it burns Tony out by uh, by wiping out. Thanos and all of his forces. So can I say something about that? Yeah. And, and this is nitpicky, but we have established in Guardians of the Galaxy that like when when Peter Quill laid hand upon one Infinity Stone, right, it almost killed him. He right. needed the combined strength of the entire Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Well, but Hawkeye just holds it. Yeah. And, and Thor yeah, no, just holds it. Seemed, <laughs> you know? I, I can handle Thor holding it because Thor is a god. I'm sorry, right? not Thor, a Hulk, but, Hulk in uh, New York. Right, well, but well, you know, even so, it, it fucks up Thor's arm. Yeah, I think it's the. I'm sorry, Hulk's arm. Sorry, but that's when he uses the gauntlet and snaps. I thought about that too, Paul, and I get to thinking about which which stones were they. So, the time stone is one that uh, has been wielded by Doctor Strange, by the Ancient One. They don't actually touch it, but it's something that is there and wielded. Uh, the one that so that's the one that Hulk, the one that uh, uh, the one that Hawkeye gets is the Soul Stone. I think it's because that one was the Power Stone that it overwhelms, and that's possible. I think you, can, I yeah. think you can't use the others, but I think you can hold the others because you have to actively use them before they do anything. That was my takeaway from it. Because I thought the same thing when uh, when Hulk is holding the stone. But the more I thought about it, it was more, what are the stones? What are their uses? And yeah. I think that until they're activated, like the soul and the time stone are fine to hold. Too hot uh, to handle, too cold to hold. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony dies at the end of the film with a very tearful scene. And this is where I uh, I, I got all uh, dewy. Um uh, you know, Pepper, you know, says, hey, we're going to be great. We're going to be fine. You know, you, you did it. You took care of everything. And, uh, you know, Tony dies. And then, like it's Lord of the Rings, we have the long goodbye. You know, we have the uh, the, the very, uh, uh, you know, the, the all-star cast assembly for Tony's memorial service. Uh, we get to see Hawkeye back with his family. You know, uh, you, know you, you have... That long goodbye, and I got to tell you, you know, after eleven movies, the long goodbye was welcome. Unlike Lord yeah. of the Rings, it didn't feel too extended, though. You know, Lord of the Rings, I'm like yeah, Jesus that's... Christ, end this movie. But this one, I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, like I feel like we're still having momentum. Yeah, right? the problem with Lord of the Rings was it was a bunch of small. Well, they weren't that small. It was a bunch of them all tacked on, where it's like, okay, that's the that's the final one. No, that's the final one. That's the final one. This was only a couple of scenes, and it didn't it didn't drag on like the Lord of the Rings ones did. But you got to admit, you kind of love that Lord of the Rings ending, though. <laughs> <laughs> you get all teary eyed when uh, when when Frodo uh, marries his his wife. <laughs> well, saying. not Frodo. Uh, Sam. I Sam. I don't get teary eyed for movies. <laughs> you you cried like a little girl, Wayne. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, we have Tony Stark's funeral and I got to say, this is, I, I did not cry. I didn't actually get emotional during this film, which I, I was actually surprised that I didn't. Um, but I, I, the one scene that I thought was the most emotional of the film for me, even though I didn't get emotional in it, but just that I thought it was really well handled was with happy, happy Hogan, um, sitting yeah. with Tony's daughter and, you know, he's like, it's after the funeral. And he's like, hey, are you hungry? She says, yeah. And he's like, what do you think you want? She says, a cheeseburger. And that's a callback to the very first Iron Man, where after months in captivity, he comes out, you know, he, he he's he's rescued. And the first thing he wants is a cheeseburger. And so you see that acknowledgement 
from Happy, and like that moment was so well acted from John Favreau. I think it really sold it. Well, and it's it's also really meta, right? Because John Favreau is the director that Marvel took the chance on to make to make their first MCU film. And so, you know, beyond the fact that you've got the character he played in it, he was also one of the founding fathers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to have him calling back to the to that earliest moment, I just thought was brilliant. You know, I mean there there are things to appreciate and layers to appreciate in this film. Well, but then we have one more goodbye to, to say, which is with Captain America, who I I have to say I was so happy with his send off. I agree. I thought it was well handled. He he goes back in time to return the Infinity Gems to their moment that they were taken because and and Mjolnir and Mjolnir, yeah, to prevent those divergent timelines. Um, and uh, he decides to just go ahead and stay, and and live out his life with Peggy. Uh, which I thought was a, a wonderful conclusion for his storyline. But before he does, he hands off the shield, not to Winter Soldier, but to Falcon. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen varying uh, opinions on that. For me, I would say as much as I love Sebastian Stan in the role of Winter Soldier, I think it was the right call to make based yeah. on the, based on what Winter Soldier has gone through and who he still is right. as a character. I think the right call to make was to hand it off to uh, Falcon. Even though yeah, he's not no, super powered, just putting that out there, he'll, he'll he's 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 gonna get fucked up, but <laughs> but um, you know, I I thought that was a, a good scene. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I agree. The, I just love that Cap got his happy ending, and really, when you think about it, Tony got his happy ending. Not and that then, kind of happy ending, Aaron. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear him. <laughs> I, 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 they went Tony, to the rub and tug. <laughs> Tony got his happy ending with Pepper and a daughter, and then the movie happens. Cap, the movie happens, and then he gets his happy ending. Well, and Tony Stark's happy ending is it goes even beyond that because, you know, we remember – you know, and the movie calls back to this that Tony's been been warning about this since Avengers, right? You know, when when the, when the first hole opened up in the sky, and so you know, not only did he get his his married time with Pepper, and he got to you know father a daughter and get to know that daughter for a short amount of time, anyway, he also gets to save the world, right? Well, and one more thing on top of that. He's had daddy issues himself throughout exactly. the series, and, and he gets to spend time with his father. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, so, I mean, again, lots of payoffs in this movie. And I got to tell you, you know, uh, I, I even enjoyed the very uh, uh, Star Trek VI, the Undiscovered Country uh, signature ending at the end of the film with all of the uh, – the character names. Character <laughs> yes. Names. I love that. First of all, I loved it in Star Trek six because I love seeing people's autographs, um, you know, like, like the way they did it. And I, I liked that they did that here. I thought it was, it was a lot of fun. So, I mean, the, the, I thought this movie was tremendously satisfying. Yeah. I, I can't get over how much I enjoyed it and that, I mean, I, have very little to complain about in this film. And I, I'll, I'll go go a step further to say I have been highly critical in the Marvel movies of most mm-hmm. of the soundtracks. And I think that the, uh, the score to this film is wonderful. Um, I really feel like Alan Silvestri uh, nailed the soundtrack to this film, bringing it the, the majesty and grandeur that I think is absent from most of the Marvel movies. Um, I, I, I think they just did a marvelous job. Yeah, I, you know the only thing I would say is now I don't know how you how you ta- how you where you go from here, right? Um, I, I have some ideas. I have some ideas too, I, yeah. I, and I, I you know I posted this on our Instagram feeds, and so we'd love to hear your feedback. It's now um, on Instagram. We are IOM Geek. Um, I think if you do away from this giant, big, emotional, sweeping saga. Um, you have a little fun with it, then your next crossover movie. I think Secret Wars is the answer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that uh, you know you've got a big absence in 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 this world now with Tony Stark gone, and you need another big brain. And now that you own the rights to Fantastic Four, I think they have got to introduce the Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to see the next big villain instead of doing Secret Wars. I want it to build up to Galactus. 
Yeah, done right though, you know. <laughs> yes, done right. Not, yeah, not uh not uh, Galactus as uh, you know, interstellar infestation. But uh yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean, I think they've set the table for the next round of Marvel movies. You know, I'm excited that we've still got a lot of our heroes left, you know, that it's not we're not completely starting from scratch again. I will say, you know, I don't know if you guys caught this in the news, but I heard a number of different media outlets referring to this as the, the last Marvel movie. That they didn't understand that this is the last Marvel movie in this story arc. Well, and it's but, I mean, not even then. You know, they, Kevin Feige has said there's a reason Spider-Man is coming out this year. Right. And, yes. and it could be the denouement of of the, you know, the five year snap and answering some of the questions that we have about it. Yeah. Spider-Man is basically the epilogue to it all. Yeah. While being its own story. So but, people, you know, it, it just cracks me up how people have, have gotten that wrong, you know, the quality in news reporting that we get these days. Yeah, <laughs> which is why you should just keep it here to this right podcast. Here. Right here. That's right. Um, right. And you should leave us feedback on our social media, like I said, Instagram, IOM Geek, Facebook, IOM Geek, or Twitter, at Ideology Madness. And we have an IOM Geek hotline. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. So pretty exciting stuff, guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully next week's comics uh, bring something that we can be a little happier about than Heroes in Crisis. But uh, I got to tell you, you know, if I, if, if, if I have to have a Heroes in Crisis to level out my enthusiasm and excitement for Endgame, I'll do it. There is that. Yeah. So, you know, make sure you are tuned here. You've subscribed to us on your um, iTunes or whatever podcast provider you listen to feed so that you five, get every episode. Five star reviews, my friends. Five star reviews. That's yes. what we're looking for. And uh, the big release next week, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja, Turtle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue one of the part three is coming out, um, but because I know Aaron's not a big fan of that, it is also the year of the villain um, coming out next week from DC so Comics. So it's my year. <laughs> yes. It's my um, From DC Comics, we get that year of the villain one shot that's introducing a lot of the big storylines happening in DC Comics, and we also get the first issue of Deceased, um, which ah. is written by Tom Taylor and features, uh, it's, it's kind of like Marvel's answer or DC's answer to Marvel zombies. So actually, you know, a couple of DC books we'll be talking about next week on this podcast. Maybe, 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 maybe. you don't know. We're going to be talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, guys. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.